Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful summer day that you've given us to come here and worship you in air conditioning. Thank you, Lord, for air conditioning in Texas. <laughs> we give you glory and honor for every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights in whom is no shadow of turning. You're not going to change. You're good all the time. We thank you, Lord, for loving us so much, teaching us, growing us up, discipling us in your word that we may be helped, healed, empowered, loved, and prospered through salvation in Christ and help others with that same help. In Jesus' name, amen. So having been talking about the promises, the will, and the ways of God, the spiritual laws that he has in place for us to benefit from if we learn how to participate and take advantage of them, amen. Jesus used parables, natural things to describe spiritual truths. Amen? Parables, sowing and reaping. That's why you put money in that basket over there. You sow into good ground. Ministries that do the work of God. Because God has said, if you do that, try me. He said, test me in this. If I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing too great for you to handle. You know, so this is a good thing. But that's the law of sowing and reaping. It replied, Jesus said, you have to understand this when he explained the parable of the four soils. You have to receive it into good ground, and then that's the only one that had a harvest. Remember? The only one that had a harvest out of the four types of soil was the one that had good ground. So we have to keep our hearts soft toward God, not hardened. Receive the word and let it make a difference in our lives. Today I want to talk about living a life through the eyes of faith. Hebrews 11, back here in the back. Hebrews chapter 11 is known as the great faith chapter. Or instead of the hall of fame, the hall of faith. The Holy Spirit was kind enough to list quite a few people in this chapter 11 of Hebrews as people of great faith and he differentiated a lot and I love that he had people like Moses and Abraham who we already get it you know but he also listed people that great flaws like uh, Rahab who was a, a prostitute initially and she operated in great faith and believed God and helped the helped the, uh, the spies escape and she ended up being one of the relatives of Jesus in the family line of Jesus. That's good news. That's good news for, for people who say, I think I've gone too far and I've already made my bed. I'll just lie in it and it's too late for me. No, it's not. No, it's not. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Amen? Amen. Only religious people get jealous when somebody who's been bad their whole life and they're dying breath, you know, give their their life to God. They don't think that's fair because all, after all, they've earned it their whole life. You see, that person is really more in jeopardy than the person who surrendered at the last moment. You don't want anybody to go to hell. I don't care how bad they've mistreated you. best thing could ever happen is to get God to get a hold of them. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance 
of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. There's a lot to unpack in that. Now, faith is the assurance, or we can say the substance or underlying reality of things hoped for. Of things hoped for. The evidence or conviction of things not seen. Faith relates us to the invisible world which created this world. The invisible world that we cannot see is more real than the one in which we can see. I, I like to use a ruler sometimes, but say this, say this iPhone here is, a, is a, a ruler. Say this is all the space-time continuum. The whole, all the universes and stars and everything created, including time itself. Here's God. He's, he created it. He's not in it or subject to it. Amen? That's why he knows the end from the beginning. Because see, time is playing out. For us, we're living it. It's happening. We're making free will choices. But in God's mind, it's already played out. Huh? Have to be... In faith, to understand it. People say, well, where did God come from? When did God come from? All that sort of thing. It's answered in the first few words of the Bible. Because all of physics, which is the science of physical things, trying to understand, and they go to great lengths to try to figure it all out. And then when they think they got a formula, they just so condescending and Intelligent until someone comes up with a new formula and throws that one away. Oh, <laughs> we were wrong. Here's the new thing. In the beginning, there's time. God created the heavens and the earth. It's all about time, space, and matter, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So there it is. Time, space, and matter. <laughs> He's, he created it. He's not subject to it. So faith relates us to this unseen world which created this world and the world which we will permanently live in. Amen? We, we, are, we are from there. We are ambassadors here to this temporal world in which we live. And the older you get, the more you realize what a flicker life is. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 simply says, don't go there, it simply says that for we walk by faith, not by sight. Faith and sight then are always in opposition to one another. And that's something the world has a hard time believing. See, if you can see it, then it's unnecessary to believe and release faith for it. Amen? So all, these, all the, the five natural senses are excluded from faith. Hebrews 11, verse 3, says, By faith we understand some things. Okay, 
So the faith of God causes us to understand that the universe was created by the word of God. You see that? He spoke and it was. He spoke and it was. He said, let there be light and there was light. He spoke everything into existence. So faith causes us to understand this and believe it. Hebrews Well, let's see. Let me give you another scripture to to back that up. I think it's Psalm 33.6. I'll look at it real quick just to give you another witness. Yep, 33.6. Psalm 33.6. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of His mouth all their hosts. So, Everything was created by the Word of God. The world, on the other hand, searches in vanity and and philosophy and science to prove or to find the answers that can only be found through faith and through the Word of God with the help of the Holy Spirit of God. Our faith is a continual Beautiful, loving, trusting relationship with the living God. That's what faith is. Our Father, our provider of everything good, Jesus Christ, His Son, and our Savior, our brother, our friend, our King, our kinsman, Redeemer, and the Holy Spirit, our powerful, omniscient guide and teacher. Amen. So can we relate to the people in this 11th chapter of Hebrews who lived a life by faith? Because the Bible tells us they were just they were just men or women like you. The thing is though, they were lacking something that you have abiding in you which is that born again spirit nature. Now, they were they were given certain special provisions of the Holy Spirit in some cases in the Old Testament. But it says in the Bible that all those who've gone before us that who died in faith, those are the ones Jesus went and preached to when he went down into hell, when paradise was still in and under the earth. There was a great chasm separating hell from paradise. Remember Abraham and the guy that called out to him, Lazarus, the other Lazarus? He said, man, if I'd have known this, I wouldn't have come here. <laughs> he said, just let me dip my finger in water and put it on my tongue. He said, I'm sorry, you had your chance. He said, go back and tell my brothers and sisters and my family so they won't come here. He goes, if they don't believe Moses and the prophets, in other words, if they don't believe the word of God, they're not going to believe me if I go tell them or some angel or anybody else. That's why the word's so important. That's why on the road to Emmaus after Jesus was risen from the dead, he was walking with those two disciples and they were so bummed out because everything that happened and they thought this great king and savior, military and, and political savior was coming and they thought Jesus was him. Well, he got crucified and they were bummed out and they thought it was all over and it's all a big lie. Instead of just showing them, here I am. He had a Bible study with him. For miles and miles they walked and he opened up the scriptures to their understanding all the way, all the way through the Old Testament. And then 
They asked him to stay for dinner. He revealed himself and he broke bread and they did see him and then he disappeared. But the point is, why didn't he just show himself in the beginning? Because the word is more important. He knew he was going to be gone again soon, but this would be here forever. This is more important. That's why he told doubting Thomas, you see me now, you believe. But it's better. More blessed are those who do not see and yet they believe. Faith is imperative in the life of a Christian And we need to see more people living a life with eyes of faith. Moses is a good example. So I just want to share a little bit about Moses. Because in Hebrews 11, look at that. Verse 26, it says, By faith, go back to the third 23rd. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that it, the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Faith caused him to do this. He could have lived in the palace. He was raised as a child of Pharaoh's sister. He could have taken full advantage of that. And he chose not to because he believed the prophecies. He believed the word. And he knew in his heart God had told him that there was something going on with him. Now, he got tired of waiting, sort of like Abraham and Sarah did. And he went and tried it on his own when he was 40. And he fouled things all up. And that's what Abraham and Sarah did when they got Ishmael. But, another story for another time. But, by faith he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy a fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith Moses did what he did. By faith he saw God. Not physically. He did finally get a glimpse at the backside of him at the burning bush, but he didn't see God. They're not saying he the, that God came and visited with him and showed him himself every day, and that's why he was able to stand in faith. No, he believed. He believed what he was told regarding God, and he believed what was being dropped in his spirit by God. And because of that, he endured because he was he kept his focus on what was unseen rather than on what he saw. And that's what we're called to do as Christians. That's why Moses was able to endure the things he did. For 40 years he was on the backside of the desert tending his father-in-law's sheep. After growing up in the palace and thinking here was his great deliverer. But he didn't lose heart. He endured, he was, he endured hardship and persecution and disappointment. Can you only imagine? 
frustration, loneliness, any of these touching on any of you in your own personal situations throughout life, apparent failure, apparent failure. He watched, he kept his eyes on the invisible or the unseen world, and this is what motivated him to stand fast. This is faith. Let's look at Paul for just a minute. I'll give you another example. 2 Corinthians, if you want to look at it, you can. Chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses, well, let's see. Are you all with me? This is one of those messages you're going to remember because you're going to question yourself. The Bible says, examine yourself to see whether you be in the faith. I had a, I have a friend who's a pastor. He said, well, he's got a big church and this guy came to him who'd been coming for years. He said, pastor, today you made me question my salvation. He said, good. It doesn't hurt to look at it once in a while, you know. Hey. Bible says examine yourself. He says if we would fix ourselves, God wouldn't have to. Wouldn't have to. You see? <laughs> if you look in the righteous mirror of this word and it doesn't look like you, because it's supposed to, <laughs> fix it. Just repent. This means turn around and go the other way regarding that thing. Change your mind. <laughs> Second Corinthians 4. And look at the, I'll start at the 16th verse. I want to go back, but I won't. This is Paul talking. He says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. See, there's another man. We don't have a dual nature. Remember, that nature is cast out. People that teach that dual nature, I can't help it. That's my, other, that's my old man. That's that old, he's got to fight him every day. No, that old man is dead and gone, but he's left remnants in your computer, didn't he? The soulish realm. But the spirit has been renewed. Mind of Christ, spirit of God, sealed one third of your salvation is over, perfected forever. But he said, we don't lose heart because even though this outer body, this outer person is fading away, inside we're growing. We're being renewed day by day in our spirit. We're becoming more and more Christ like. Amen? For this light, I want, to, I want you to listen to Paul writing this from prison, mind you. For this light momentary affliction. <laughs> have you ever had light momentary afflictions? I have. But I've also had some that I would say, I wouldn't describe that as a light or momentary affliction at all. But Paul did. Is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. See, again, he's looking into the unseen world. He believes God and he understands what's coming. 
Matter of fact, he went up there and had a look at it. Some of it he said he could tell us about. Some of it he said he, could, he wasn't allowed to share. But when they stoned him to death that time, and uh, left him for dead, and then the brothers went and prayed over him, I believe he'd, got, he'd died. I think that's when he went up into the third heaven, what he describes. He doesn't say that's when, but I think he actually died then, and they raised him back from the dead. But anyway, he saw some things up in there, and... Uh, and it was beautiful. He said, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Now see, the world goes, that is ridiculous. You know? We, though, we know it's not ridiculous. For the things that are seen are transient or impermanent. You see? Temporal. But the things that are unseen are eternal. So when all this is gone, you and me and everything we can see, this will still be alive. This inner man will still be alive. You'll still have the same new born-again spirit. You'll have your soul and as it's being renewed here on earth, hopefully you'll get it to the point where you walk in such a, a great relationship with the Lord and you've been discipled in His Word that you're in total agreement with, with the Spirit within you. And you'll be so Christ-like that you will be uh, incorruptible. Your spirit's already incorruptible. But if not, when you see Him, you will be transformed. You will... Now you know some things, then you're going to know everything, you see? And then you're going to get a new one of these, too. This vehicle that you ride around, and it will be imperishable. Hallelujah. And I think we're all going to be about 30. That's just my thinking. That's what Jesus looked like to me when I saw him both times. And I've heard that story. Anyways. (laughs) So, I wanted, in case you don't get it. If you go back uh, in in uh, Second Corinthians, if you go a couple chapters over, and t- since I already told you that Paul was in prison when he wrote that, and he called it light momentary afflictions, but look in the 11th chapter of Second Corinthians, and he elaborates a little bit more on what he's been through. In a moment of weakness, he breaks down, and he's he's kind of blasting this Corinthian church. They were always sort of babyish, like immature Christians, and they had a bunch of new spiritual gifts and stuff, and they all ran around with their spiritual bottles and uh, uh, baby bottles, and they were drinking milk, and he was trying to get them on, on meat, you know? But he, he got on to them this one day in Second Corinthians chapter 11, starting at the 16th verse. He says, I repeat, let no one think me foolish, but even if you do, accept me as a fool, so that I too may boast a little. So here he goes. He's going to let loose a little bit. <laughs> when I'm saying with this boastful confidence, I say not as the Lord would, but as a fool. In other words, he's just using a natural carnal example to reach these carnal folks because they won't listen to his spiritual instructions and they're talking bad about him while he's gone. You see, he says, since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. For you gladly bear with fools, being wise yourselves, exclamation point. See, don't be wise in your own eyes. 
God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. But he's mocking them right here, you see. For you bear it if someone makes slaves of you or devours you or takes advantage of you or puts on airs or strikes you in the face. To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. To mistreat you, in other words, we were too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I'm speaking as a fool, remember. I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman. With far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. This is the things he'd gone through. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. They always did thirty-nine. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. This is the time I told you that I think he died. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things... There is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. He had a burden for them. Who is weak? And I'm not weak. Who is made to fall? And I'm not indignant. Anyway, he says, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. In my weakness, I'm strong, you see. Paul went through a lot of stuff. And he was writing 2 Corinthians chapter 4 from prison cell. Like I said, called it light and momentary affliction. Because he was seeing the unseen world. And he knew that we were soon to pass from this. Just like Peter wrote in his second uh, epistle. His last one to the church. He goes, the Lord showed me I'm about to leave. So I want to tell you some things. But Paul said, therefore, therefore, because we look at the unseen, because we're aware that God is real, because God is who he says he is, and he does what he says he will do, unlike men, therefore, we do not lose heart, he said. These days, it's so easy if we wanted to lose heart and to get upset and just throw up our hands and go, Wow, this is crazy. I don't know what to do. I'm going to just go crazy. But we don't lose heart. Why? Not any natural reason for us to be excited about the things going on in the world today. Although we always want to be like Joshua and Caleb, the two spies with the good report, and not the ten with the negative report, don't we? But they kept their eyes on the unseen, the spiritual truth and the word of God. There's always a conflict between the world that our our senses relates us to and what our faith relates us to. They're never they're always in opposition. And remember what I used the example of the seesaw. The way man is created, both ends of the seesaw can't be up at one time. We can either focus on the world's problems 
our situations and circumstances and the negative things in this carnal world or on God. You can't do both at the same time. But God says in Isaiah 26, 3, those whose mind is stayed on me, I will keep them in perfect peace because they love me. And that's a beautiful promise right there you should write hold of and write it on your refrigerator. And every time you get... Last night I was... I was I was having one of those sleepless nights. I went to bed early, so I'd be fresh today. And I was still, I was still had my Bible there, and I kept waking up, and I was this. And then the enemy just torture, you know, tried to just, you know, you never want to let your memories be greater than your dreams. And the older you get, you'll find that memories, the enemy tries to use memories to haunt you. Especially ones that where you were imperfect and made choices that you would love to change if you could, but you can't. But when he reminds you of that, the way to counter that is with the word of God. What God says about you. You know, how you are redeemed and justified by the blood of Jesus, not by any works of your own. The more he tells you you're disqualified, the more you say, boy, that qualifies me for the grace of God and the mercy of God. You see, those who have been forgiven much, love much. I love the Lord so much because I know I ain't making no bones about it. You know, that center cross out there was made for me. And he took my place and I'm eternally grateful. And I can't wait to lay my crown down at his feet. And I really, really want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Oh. Always going to be a conflict between the natural and the unseen world, though, and we have to realize it. Because, but the, remember that the natural, the physical, the impermanent, is something we can focus on if we choose, and it will create death in its various forms in our lives. It will not help us. It will not improve our situation. Worry is like a rocking chair. Give you something to do, but it don't get you nowhere. Focus on the eternal, the invisible, the permanent, the unchanging word of God, the truth of God, which is only found in this word. Faith relates us simply to God and to the word of God. And the way to accomplish that is basically... Surrender. Think of that old TV commercial, The Nest Plunge. Just total surrender and trust in a good God who loves you. It's this total commitment to God is what will put you in that place of rest and peace, love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's impossible to walk in faith and not be faithful and it's impossible to be faithful without faith. They go together. The word in the Greek is the same, pistis. It doesn't change. And that's uh, significant to me. Because I, I was concerned about that because like in, in some of the uh, fruit of the Spirit listed in Galatians 5 and some translations of the Bible, it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And in the King James, it's faith, temperance, and goodness. Uh, and uh, and uh, discipline or whatever, but anyway, faith, 
and temperance. And, and so I would look those things up. Really, they're both good. They're both right. So we have to surrender to God's life, His way, His will. Are we okay on time? Matthew 7. Matthew 7. <laughs> Matthew chapter 7. I really... I really just want this all to be tied together and sewn up in our hearts and minds. Amen? Jesus talked about something in Matthew chapter 7, which I love the whole chapter. But in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, Jesus said, Enter the narrow gate. He is the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. This is the highway to hell. It's broad. It's got many multiple lanes. They keep widening it, you see? Just like hell. They said hell was made not for people, but for the fallen angels. And he said, but now it's people are in it, and they just have to keep expanding it. There's a building project going on down below. It keeps having to be expanded to accommodate all the people who choose to go there. That's a sad thing, but it's the truth because it's in the Word. The gate is wide and easy is the way that leads to destruction. The path of least resistance, you see. If it feels good, do it. Hey, that's the, that's the, that's the highway to hell. Those who enter it are many. But this is Jesus talking. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And only a few that find it. Faith is in the present. Hope is in the future. Because a lot of times people get these two confused. And so I just wanted to touch on that before we finish up. Faith is in the present, in the now, and hope is in the future. It looks toward the future. Faith is located in the heart. Hope is located in the mind. It's important that we know the difference because unfortunately a lot of Christians don't understand this and it causes them to live a life of frustration. And so if you'll get it, it'll help you immensely. It'll help me too. It's a daily walk. It's our daily bread. Amen? Amen. Romans 10.10 says, With the heart man believes... And is justified unto righteousness. Okay? So with the heart we believe. If you're living a frustrated life because you have faith in your mind instead of in your heart. It could be, you could be listening to the solution today, you see. See, some people have faith in their, in their, in their head knowledge, doctrinally. Instructionally, from the Word, they, they get the teachings and they got it up here and they might even agree with it. But it doesn't get down into the heart, the garden of the heart where it can take root and bear fruit like I always talk about. People like this will say lots of things that agree with, with faith, 
They agree with faith. They agree with the scriptures about faith. But their actions and their words, they don't line up. They're in line more with with the world. And so this is how you can recognize whether it's true faith or just mental assent, mental agreement. I agree with that. I agree with it. But well, it's okay to agree with it. It's good that you agree with it. Just like like James says in the book, he says, uh, so you believe there's one one God? In other words, you, you believe that Jesus is real and that he's the one true God. He said, good. So does the devil and his demons. And they fear him. In other words, he's saying some of the some of the demons in hell are that are, that are in control of this world with Satan right now. They they've taken it a step further. They know who he is, and they and they fear him. Siri thought I said something to her. You see what I'm saying? It's not enough just to know. We have to act on it. Faith has feet and lips, as Tamana would say. Knowing the scriptures about faith is not equal to knowing God. That's my point. We're trying to get to a place. We're not, we're not trying to get religious. We're trying to get into relationship with Jesus Christ. We're trying to know him and let him know us better and better every day. We're trying to grow in that relationship. We're trying to cultivate and nurture that relationship so that it can help us more and more in this life and not have to wait until we see Him in heaven and walk on streets of gold and all that. When we get there, you know, that is going to be beautiful, but it's not going to be what matters. We're not going to be over there chiseling <laughs> nuggets of gold and sticking them in our pocket. You know, it's not going to be a big thing. <laughs> it's just something God did because it's beautiful to him and he thought it'd be beautiful for you and enjoy it, you know. But that's not what it really is. There has to be a trusting, a yielding relationship to God and his word and it will cause us to act upon it. We have to believe God's character. We have to believe that he is who he says he is and we have to believe in his promises that he'll do what he says he'll do. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because Whoever comes to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Isn't that what the word says? 1 Thessalonians 5, 8. And I'm wrapping it up here. 1 Thessalonians 5, 8. But if anyone does not provide... Oh, that's 4. No, wait. Five, eight. Let's see. Now, oh, that's Timothy. I'm like, I don't know why I thought it was. I don't know why I thought it was First Thessalonians. Because it is. Not Timothy, though. Tell me when I find it. It's all the T's back there. Timothy, Titus. First and Second Thessalonians. There we go. Before that. Alright. So First Thessalonians five eight says, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love. 
and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. There's a scripture right there that just sort of proves up what I was saying. Faith and love come from the heart. You remember the last scripture in in the, the great love chapter? 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, Now abide faith, hope, and love. These are the three things that are real. And the greatest of these is love, he says. But right here he's telling us that faith and love come from the heart. And that hope is in the mind. Because it says... Put on the breastplate, that's to cover the heart, you see, of faith and love. And for the helmet, the hope of salvation. So hope is in the mind. You see that? Christian hope is a continual expectation of good from God. It's not just a wishing. Oh, I hope so. That is not hope, and it's not faith. Hope is using a positive imagination. When we think of our imagination, we think of children, we think of some negative terms, and sometimes it's referred to even in the Bible as a vain imagination, things like that. But it's whatever our imagination can be used for godly things, you see. In agreement with God, in agreement with the Word of God, we, our imagination is what gives us the hope to where we can see the things I was talking about in heaven a moment ago. When I started talking about those golden streets, when I started singing about angels and stuff before, why did you feel so good about that? Because you know it's true and your imagination can see it. It's so comforting. The fact is, the angels were already here. I didn't call them in. And when you leave, they're going with you. You have angels of your own. And there's also demons. You know what empowers them? The angels of God, you don't instruct them. Some people talk to angels and think that I'm talking to my angel. You know, that's foolishness. And God says, don't do that. Talk to me. Because they respond to the word of God. And God already said this. It's established. So if you say one of the promises of God or something pertaining to your situation and circumstances regarding your health, your finances, your relationships, etc., 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 the angels of God go to work. If you say it in faith. If you speak unbelief, doubt, negative, all the things that are carnal and of the world and... It dishonors God because it's unbelief, really. If it doesn't line up with this word, it's unbelief. And who does it empower? The enemy. The enemy has no authority in this, in this realm regarding you except what you give them. And you are a creative being, just like your Father in heaven. If you will agree with God, you'll create a beautiful life for you and your family and for those that you pray for. But if, you can, if the devil can lie to you, which is his trademark, and convince you to say the wrong things, he'll get you to do some creating for him. That's his trick. He can't do it. Jesus done kicked his butt and (laughs) popped the bag, you see. Took the keys and everything, but he's still here for a time, and now the deceiver. He's the accuser of the brethren. Remember what I said about when he starts... Do it trying to torment your mind. Just throw the word at him. That's what Jesus did. If it worked for Jesus three times, he used 
the book of Deuteronomy. Every time the, the, the devil tempted him when he had been 40 days in the desert and he came in, the devil tempted him. Every time Jesus answered with the word of God from the book of Deuteronomy, which is the book, the fifth book, number for grace. Faith and hope are both real and they're both good. I'm not minimizing hope or trying to put it down in any way because faith, hope, and love, they abide these things and these are the greatest things, right? And, and of those, love is the greatest. So these are real things, but faith is what pleases God. Faith is now. Hope is in the future. What we... Hope gives faith a target. How's that? That's a good way to see it and remember it because that's a fact. You believe that God said this and so this is God's will for your finances, for your health, for your family, for someone you're believing for, for whatever good thing from God. God said it. It's His will that no one should perish but that everyone should be saved. Beloved, I wish that thou mayest prosper and be in good health, even as thy soul prospers. 3 John 2. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. You start saying these things, believing these things, you start to imagine, visualize the outcome of these things for the future. Could be way off. You could believe for the future, for the, the hope that is to come, the mansion that he's gone to prepare for you in heaven and your home in heaven and walk in the beautiful streets of gold. Or you can believe for now in this world. And it's not going to happen immediately, perhaps. There is still time in the spiritual realm, and I can prove that through the book of Daniel. But if you will believe and stand on it and not waver, Jesus says in Mark eleven twenty two through 24, if you will believe what you, that you have what you pray for, when you pray, you shall have it. You see, that shows exactly what I'm talking about today. It's a kingdom of opposites. The world says, show me and I'll believe it. Jesus says, you believe it first. Otherwise, you'll never see it. But if you will believe it, I promise you, you will see it. Amen. He says, if you believe and don't doubt, don't waver, that mountain right there will move and be cast into the sea. Now, that takes some pretty strong faith. But if we'll work that faith muscle out, I believe we can get there. Hope gives faith a target when it's godly hope. And I'll finish right here. Remember that, because we can hope for some things that aren't of God, can't we? (laughs) I hear people do it all the time. You stop by just telling, just don't, don't tell anyone else to go to hell. Just try that on for size. Please. I know you don't mean it, but don't say it. And many other things like that. <laughs> Remember the three F's, so this will help you. There's fact, there's faith, and there's feelings. The only real facts... Now, there are facts in the science world, in this world, and you hear every news agency report a different set of facts, right? (laughs) Those are carnal. The real facts come here. 
from the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Okay? So the real truth that your fact-finding mission should be from the Word of God. What's God say about this situation? Let me find something I can stand on. Let me find the truth of God's Word. And then our faith is based on those facts. Godly faith has to be based on godly facts, godly truth. And then our feelings will fall in line with our faith. You see? Some people try to do it in the opposite order. And if you do, you'll go shipwreck. If you are a person who lives by your feelings, they'll always be up and down, won't they? They'll always be up and down and you'll end up frustrated. You can't got... It's not within man to direct his own steps. Jeremiah 10.23 We know that we don't have the solutions. You look around and you see that in people... So smart, so wise in their own eyes. They got it all figured out. But if it doesn't line up with this, you see why it's going so badly. And when they stiff arm this and him, there's only one person that's going to fill that void, and it's Satan. And so we're talking about the unseen world, and you look around and you see they're not even aware. They've hardened their hearts to the point that they're not even aware of an unseen world. As a matter of fact, they called it nonsense. That that one uh, congresswoman from New York, the, the, the kid bartender, they quoted her the other day as saying, uh, Donald Trump and Jesus were a lot alike, both con artists. Okay? This is a congresswoman. Used to be in Congress, they prayed, you see. They had great prayer meetings. They prayed about everything. Even the ones who didn't really believe, they knew that it was still the better way. And without this, everything was going to fall apart that they had created. And they're trying to get rid of this. The enemy can't have truth. That's why That's why the last thing they want to reopen is the churches. Yes. Fact, truth of word of God's word, faith based on that truth, and then your feelings, let them be what God feels. God wants to give you the desires of your heart, but what he's wanting you to do is come alongside him. He said, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? Amos 3.3. He wants you to be in agreement with him, and then your desires will be his desires, and he will give you all the desires of your heart because they're, they're godly. If we pray according to the word of God, we know that we have what we pray for because we know that he hears our prayer. So faith must be built upon the only true facts, the word of God. I'm going to stop right there because I have so much more. I love you. God loves you. And I hope that you will take this... uh, take these truths and and make them your own. Amen? Amen. It can all be summed up in Romans 8.28. Let me read one last scripture to you because Romans 8.28 read the whole chapter (laughs) but I'm not going to. I'm going to read Romans 8.28. Likewise, the Spirit helps us. No, that's 26. Romans 8.28 And we know that for those who love God All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. You see a lot of folks 
that you know don't know God saying, well, God's working everything for the good. They've heard some of these great scriptures, right? But it doesn't say that. They want to believe that. But you can look around and see that everything is not being worked for the good. Now, for you it is. For those who love God and are called according to His purpose. So, if you are... If you love God and you're walking according to His plan for your life, and you all wouldn't be sitting here in this place listening to a long-winded... <laughs> silly preacher. If you weren't really seeking God, and you are, and I love you guys, and I know that God wants to help you, so, but you can claim this scripture because you are in that number you are choosing the narrow path and it's hard jesus said it's hard and only a few find it it's hard not to take the easy way out it's hard to suffer hardship and persecution and loneliness in some cases now god sets the lonely in families we have a huge church family we're all one family but it doesn't seem like it sometimes it's so divided If Christians could agree, we could accomplish anything. But the fact is, it's a lonely life to some degree. You'll suffer persecution for it. But remember, focus on the eternal, the invisible truth of God's Word, the kingdom of God, because it's more real than what you really see. And God will reward you for it. When you think He's forgotten you, He's right there going, you keep going, baby. I'm so proud of you. And we're going to talk about the testing of our faith pretty soon. But right now, I just want you to get this and know that God loves you. And He's there for you. He protects you. He provides for you. He's working for you even when you sleep. So cast all your cares on the Lord, for He cares for you. And rest in the peace that He's provided. It's not meant for sheep to carry packs on their back. You don't have to worry about everything. Just give it to God and go on about your happy way. And when they think you're crazy and lost it, just say, no, I think you're crazy and lost it. If you knew what I know, you'd love him too. Father, thank you for loving us and teaching us and growing us in your word and your truth and your grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to help us and lead us and guide us through this life and to our eternal destination with our heavenly bridegroom. We thank you, Father, that our names are written in the book of life. We look forward to seeing you. But while we're here, Lord, take what's left of our lives and use them for your good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.